I'm Amanda Olberg, Managing Editor of Education Next. We invite you to join this week's Education Next podcast, available online Wednesday morning each week at educationnext.org. Chronic absenteeism. That is a topic that has become of increasing interest to the Obama administration and the Department of Education is planning on making this a major part of its efforts to uh, deal with uh, the challenges in urban education today. The idea was developed by Robert Belfonts at Johns Hopkins University where he is a research professor and the director of the Everyone Graduates Center and I have uh, Robert with me here today. Uh, I'm Paul Peterson. Uh, this is the Education Next podcast. Uh, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Education Next. And, and, and Robert, it's just great to have this opportunity to chat with you about this idea that you've been working on for how long? About a decade now. A decade. And uh, so tell me, what is chronic absenteeism and how is it different from ordinary sure. absenteeism. So chronic absenteeism is essentially defined as missing 10% or more of school for any reason. It could be an excused absence, it could be unexcused absence. The key thing is the kid is not in school. And 10% of school is essentially about a month. So you don't, mind, you, don't, you don't pay any attention to excuses? No. Well, what if he's got a permission from his mother or from so his doctor or something like that? And that's yeah. why chronic absenteeism is defined at 10%, which is essentially 18 days of school. So most kids, and we know from the data, if you were sick, even if you take a family vacation, you miss three, four, five, six, seven days of school. It's when you get to 18 or more days, which is a month or more of school. And we can all appreciate if you miss a month of school, it's usually not a good thing. Yeah, that's, so it's, it's 18 days out of the year. Yes. Now, can you spot it in shorter durations? I mean, do, uh, what do yes. you, let's say in a month, what yeah. would you be looking at? Sure. So the, the, there's really good evidence that especially in high poverty environments, the kids that miss three, four, five days in the first month of September are going to miss a lot of school. And so that's why this 10% trigger is often used, 10% or more of, of schools a day so far. Now, of course, for the very first month, you adjust that a little because 10% is only two days. But it's when you get to, th get to three or four days in the first month, and 10% after that that you know you need to start looking. And it can begin with just a conversation. We noticed you weren't in school. We really like you being in school. We missed you. Can you tell us what's going on? You might find a very simple and logical and fine reason that's nothing to worry about. Then you move on. Or you may start to find stuff behind that. Oh, well, we had to leave our home. Um, we don't have a place to live. Oh, you know, I'm taking care of my sister in the morning and I can't get to school on time. And then these are the things that you, that. So, how does the school intervene when they encounter this situation? I mean, they used to get the truant officer and uh, yeah. take care of it that way. Is yeah. that what you're recommending here? No, not at all. What we found, and one reason the truant officer doesn't work is one in the really impacted schools, in the very high poverty schools and high poverty neighborhoods, you can have chronic absenteeism rates, especially at middle and high schools, of 20, 30, even 40%. 40% of kids in a big high school is hundreds of kids. Wow. There is no truant officer that can track down hundreds of kids. There is no secretary that can make hundreds of phone calls. So most of those kids get no response. And then they sort of think no one knows, no one cares. It's okay. So what can you do about it? What are the, what are the tools that you are 
yeah. helping school districts design. So the, it's, and again, it's pretty simple stuff. First, we make the case you have to monitor it. The amazing thing is, is that most schools do not track chronic absenteeism. Well, They're, they always take attendance. Every day they're taking attendance. Every, it's, you have to do it for, to get your state aid. Exactly. So this is as simple as can but, be. But the measure they, they're doing to get their state aid is average daily attendance. How many kids on average are in the building on that day? This is one of those places where our in intuition sets us the wrong course because you can have 92% average daily attendance and we're hardwired to think anything in the 90s is an A. Must be good, move on to the next problem. You can have 92% average daily attendance and have 20% of your kids missing a month or more of school. Wow. Because it's different kids on different days making up that 92%. So you can have a lot of chronic absenteeism and still and a better than 90% yep. average and, daily and attendance not, rate. not recognize you have that chronic absenteeism because it's not being measured. So what you are doing then is asking somebody in each principal's office to be collecting data not only on what is the average daily attendance, but also... How many kids are missing 10% or more? How many kids are missing 10% or more of the school year thus far? Yes. Okay, so now you have the data. Yeah. Uh, how, do you, how do you plan an intervention? Because clearly you can't ask the teachers to do no. this on top of everything no. they're already doing. Yep. So what we found, and we actually piloted this in uh, New York City with uh, Mayor Bloomberg because he had a big chronic absenteeism campaign, was that our insight was, especially in these highly impacted schools, that once you're chronically absent, we either have to solve a problem or change a behavior. And that's really hard to do if we don't have a re relationship with you. And teachers, you're right, and staff can't have relationships with hundreds of kids beyond you know, being polite and nice to them, but not deep relationships. And that's where we figured we had to bring in additional mentors from the community, um, peer mentors, old 12th graders working with 9th graders, 8th graders working with 6th graders, um, college students getting work study. And also we found some school staff, cafeteria workers, security guards, everybody in the building. And then the amazing thing is teachers wanted to actually get in this game, but only for one or two kids. That's what they could handle. But many teachers wanted to take one or two of these kids and become sort of their person who builds that relationship. So you try to find somebody who will focus on each student yep. who is in this situation. Correct. And it, it could be a janitor, yep. it could be a teacher, it could be a volunteer from Correct. the community. Correct. Uh, but still, coordinating all that, that's a huge... Uh, can the school f afford the staffing to coordinate well, that undertaking? Again, what we found in New York was that this is largely reorganizing a lot of existing people and assets. It's not about putting a lot of new inputs in. Because what you really need to do is once you have that data and once you have people that can be, have those interactions and build those relationships, you need to have sort of a weekly review of what's going on. Are the kids with the mentors getting better or not? And then also what patterns emerge? Because those, those relationships get at the root causes. Okay, so a weekly meeting, that yeah. sounds like a good idea because yeah. that keeps everybody focused, yeah. but who comes to the, to the meeting? So initially the principal's got to be there to show it's important. Once it gets going, they can have a, a, another administrator be the designee or a coordinator, but initially they have to signal because you're right, there's so many competing things going on in a school. If the principal doesn't say this matters, people are like, it's one more thing, let's not worry about it. So that early principal leadership's important. But then someone who just sort of is the grease and glue and makes sure people meet once a week that the data Now, does everybody meet who out. has a student that they are responsible no. for? Well, it, it depends on the scale. If, if there are only 10, 20 kids and there's only 10 people involved, sure, they can meet. If we're in the 100 situation, 
they typically then designate like a, a, a leader of the mentors. And the mentors get feed information to that leader, and then the leader attends the meeting. Now, yeah, now you're tempting me. Are you <laughs> making an argument for small schools here? That um, if in small schools you can notice this yeah, more easily? Yeah, no, small schools certainly make it easier to do. Um, just because it, it, you're not going to have 300 kids that are chronically absent. You're not going to be overwhelmed by the sheer numbers in one place. So absolutely, in the most impacted places, a smaller school makes it easier. But even within a small school, you still have to organize the person power. You still got to organize the, the, the system. So what evidence is there that this is actually working? Yes. Uh, you, you mentioned New York City. You mentioned Mayor Bloomberg yeah. uh, starting it. Uh, it, uh, it should have a bit of a track record yeah, there in New does. York City now. Yeah. Is there any evidence it's actually working? Yeah, so we did. We actually did an evaluation of this. It was quasi-experimental. We couldn't, couldn't randomize in the pilot. And um, what we found is that on average, uh, students that had a success mentor plus the system, I mean, the, this, the meeting, and there's a few other small components to it, who had this, on average, gained nine more days of school. And that was educationally significant. It was almost two weeks. So you saw some test score impacts. Yeah. You saw some. Now, have you been able to track through the dropout rates? No, we haven't because we, um, well, we, yes and no. We found a very interesting group of kids, which was overaged high school kids who are overaged and undercredited. They had, they, those that had the success mentor, they were 50% more likely to return the next year than students that didn't. And my theory there is if you were an overaged high school student and you were chronically absent, if we don't put a person with you, you're gone. And so we don't, we don't, we were only able to follow them the following year. We don't know if they ultimately graduated, but we do know they came back at a higher rate. So of course, this is just a leading indicator. This isn't Correct. a cause. So what do you, are the causes of chronic absenteeism? Yeah. What, what, so we, what? we found they sort of fall into three broad buckets. Um, the first is there's something keeping you out of school. Um, you're doing sibling care, you're doing elder care. The great aunt that raised you is now sick and you're a 13 year old and you're making sure they get their medicine. You don't trust anybody else to do it. You don't wanna tell anybody about it because you think they won't let you do it. Um, some kids are working, some kids are involved in the juvenile justice system, something is pulling you out. Another group of kids are avoiding something in school. They don't feel safe going to school or in school, they're being teased, bullied. Um, we even found in, in one city that these kids were reporting they were being asked to read out loud in class and they were embarrassed by it because they weren't fluent readers and that was the day to miss. Um, and then there's a third group of kids, especially among the older high school kids, where it's sort of discretionary. They feel not much is going on, that they can do four days and still pass. They'd rather be somewhere else on that day. Um, sometimes that tips into when there's bad weather because in many urban areas, our students take mass transportation to school. There's not the yellow school bus and it's multiple connections. It can be two or three connections. And if you're outside in the rain without an umbrella, you're like, mm, not today. So it is pulling you out, pushing you away, and sort of you deciding it's not worth it on that so day. So there's many, many reasons yeah. why chronic absenteeism yeah. gets its start. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the Department of Education has taken an interest in this. It has. What are the chances of this going nationwide? Yeah, so what the Department of Education is having this year is a calling every student every day campaign. It's a multifaceted, just A, make people aware that chronic absenteeism is an issue, that you should measure it, and it's something we do something about. And then the other thing they're doing is this thing that began in New York City, this sort of, sort of called the Success Mentors Program, um, is now being uh, scaled to 30 additional districts. Um, they had 10 districts started in January. It's sort of the pilot, and uh, 
that was a crazy thing that it worked. Ask schools to start something mid-year. Um, and then uh, 20 more schools are joining them, so 30 major cities, largely major cities. There's a few rural districts in, in the next two. So there are chances that this could escalate. But then I worry, uh, like all good ideas, that after people have worked on them for a while, they lose their energy yeah. and you know yeah. things dissipate. Can you sustain this? Is there yeah. any reason to think this could be uh, innovation that yeah. could be sustained so in the long run? two things that give us hope. One, definitely, we've clearly got a boost this year just being associated with the White House. To many educators, that's still a big deal. That gets them. To, I'll the bully pulpit of the White House. If huh? you ask me to do it, I'll start something in January. I'll never. My superintendent could never get me to start in January, but the White House can. Um, but um, that got it going. We think what's sustaining it is one is that people are very excited on the ground because they see it's a relatively simple thing that's doable and gets an impact, and they can see it quickly. So this is not. This is a basically identify who's chronically absent, associate them with a caring adult that interacts with them m multiple times in a week. Have a system for data in, data out, analyzing it. React to that data as you can. And they get more money, too. Yes, if they're paid, yes. paid on average in any attendance, they actually can way, make money on this. Way pays for itself. But they see that it's, it's a relatively simple technology, and then they see kids coming more often rapidly. See, that's the thing. Like test scores, it takes you a long time to see if you made a difference. It's easy for your enthusiasm to wane. Attendance, if you're doing it right, the next week you see the kid more so often. So you can track what your success record in real time. Yes. You don't have to wait for right. five years to find right. out that, if you and succeeded. That, and, that, and that gives people yeah. the energy to keep going because they, almost all teachers and principals got in the business to help kids. And when you could see immediately I'm helping. So we had a quote from a principal who was a mentor himself saying like, you know, we're often, we're so busy, we don't realize it's the simple relationship stuff that really matters. And now he's got three kids he's mentoring and he gets excited because he sees them in school more often. Well, Robert, this is a fantastic idea. Uh, it's, uh, you know, the, the best ideas are usually the very simple ones, yeah. and this simple idea is really yeah. well worth considering. Yeah. It's been great talking with Robert Belfonce, who is a research professor at Johns Hopkins University and the director of the Everyone Graduates Center. This is Paul Peterson, Editor-in-Chief of Education Next. This is the Education Next podcast. Thank you for tuning in to Education Next's weekly podcast, released every Wednesday morning. For more on education reform, visit us online, educationnext.org.